0: Hey everyone, today I'm talking with Jennifer Yates Camera about her debut poetry release, Reduction Fired. Often expressed in constructed minimalism and parallels, Reduction Fire is described as architectural, with a nod to West Coast contemporary design and Eastern influences. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on Jennifer. Jennifer Yates Camera is a poet living in Vancouver, Canada. She is the youngest of 13 children Born to an extremely poor family in Ontario, Canada, she grew up in an old house that someone had paid her father to haul away, without plumbing as the water was never hooked up. Jennifer's early life in the 70s included an outhouse, a well, and a wood-burning fireplace. Jennifer's parents were both avid readers and often recited poems by memory. Reading was ingrained in her siblings, too, and Jennifer learned quickly. At age nine, Jennifer's family still at home moved to the B.C. coast, Jennifer was encouraged to join a late French immersion group starting from grade 6. It was around that time Jennifer also started writing her own poetry. Although she continued excelling academically, the family's economic situation was still dire, and she turned to poetry to express herself. Once Jennifer started working, she eagerly frequented local bookstores where the owners introduced her to poetry from many cultures, including Persia, China, Japan, and India. For more information about Jennifer Yates' camera, Visitor website at com. Well, hi Jennifer, welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. To get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, Reduction Fired?
1: Really, I just, I'm hoping to move forward with my poetry and learning, and I just needed to sort of close that chapter and compile a, a selection of poems uh, that I had written and put it together. And I, it was important to me to. Put it out there and see where I was at, I guess you could say. See, Mm. just sort of see the feedback and know where I am and where I need to go further. But it's a collection basically compiled in in a bit of a reverse order that it was written. Mm. So it's broken up into seasons and the seasons are really just time periods. So the ones in spring were written early on in my years and the ones in winter were written more recently.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was sure you had some kind of theme dividing it up into the four yeah. seasons, but that's interesting. Yeah, I like that. I love the title. How did you come up with the title mm-hmm. Reduction Fired? And what is the meaning behind the title?
1: Well, my mother had taken the pottery when she was younger and loved it and loved the glazes especially, and so often told us stories from those days. And one of the the things she told us was about this type of firing, this technique called Reduction Fired. So when you're firing a piece in the reduction method, you take the piece that you've glazed and you put it in the kiln and then you slowly reduce the oxygen. Mm. So in that process, there's less and less oxygen for the fire, for that fuels the fire. The fire might look for fuel. And so it might actually even pull oxygen from the piece Mm. and pull it out to the surface. And it just struck me this way as something unique that a lot of us go through we're all reduction fired in a sense and in the things that we go through the traumas and difficulties uh, years we spend in in difficult situations that really challenge us and it's like someone has reduced the oxygen in our environment Mm. and we have to pull out from inside us something meaningful something to cope with these situations and much like a reduction fired piece. You don't always know the result. The potter may not know exactly, be able to pinpoint exactly what the end result's going to be. They can kind of ballpark it, but they don't know as exactly as they can with other firing techniques because you don't know what's inside the piece. You can't really tell. Hmm.
0: That is fascinating. And that transfers into your poetry, I guess, due to your condensed writing style.
1: Yes. Well, I could see that in other forms of writing as well, ancient forms of writing where they
0: use only a few
1: words to say what they want to say, and yet it still seems eloquent and, and conversational, and they get the point across in the image and in such few words, hmm. whether it's haiku or Hebrew poetry, ancient Hebrew poetry. They just have this way of using small, not complicated constructs or anything like that, just very simply stated and straightforward, but really powerful and how it made it more powerful. And so I was just really experimenting with trying to grow and, and challenge myself to do that. Mm.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like flash fiction where you tell a story in like 100 mm-hmm. words. Or Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Short stories can be really uh, difficult to write for that reason. You, you really have to make it tight and uh, make sure there aren't any disposable pieces in there. It, it's that simplicity and and that's kind of where I get the the architectural reference from. I in the book I at the beginning I quote Frank Lloyd Wright how he said to you know reduce the whole of its parts to its simplest terms, getting back to first principles. So like a culinary reduction, you you're reducing it mm. and and trying to make it more powerful and uh, have more impact.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was excited when when I saw that you mentioned Frank Lloyd Wright in your book. It's my husband's favorite architect and a lot of the things in our home is is designed in that style. So oh,
1: beautiful. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
0: You also call your style West Coast Contemporary. So why do you use architecture and West Coast Contemporary as comparisons in your work?
1: Right. I guess the architecture, because I put so much effort in the structure of the lines. Mm-hmm the lines are short but sometimes they're broken uh, in such way and and sometimes it succeeded this and and quite honestly sometimes I don't some people <laughs> may struggle with the line breaks but i my goal is to try to break the line sometimes where you're not quite sure where it's heading mm. until you get to the end and then you know where it where it was meant to go but the, the lines might uh, break in, in such a way that uh, the first and second line, might, you might think it's going, oh, it's going here, and then you read the third line, oh, it's, it's not, it's going somewhere else. Um, so it, it's a lot of effort I put into the structure, and so I guess that's partly the architectural point. Mm-hmm. And West Coast Contemporary is a style of architecture from the West Coast, uh, whether it's from British Columbia down to California, So it's known for its linear modern simplicity Hmm. and it's known for using a lot of glass to bring nature in and then using this mix of modern materials and natural materials, uh, a lot of cedar, for example, for its warm orange color and uh, those kinds of things. So nature is important and keeping the lines simple and minimalist. That's, I guess, why I use those as comparisons for this book.
0: Yeah, what a beautiful style. Yeah, there was even,
1: a I I had seen with a friend, There's a there was a documentary done at one of the local film festivals, uh, and it's called West Coast Contemporary, and it covers just how that style sort of developed and, and elements of that style, and, and just this um, moving away from clutter and keeping it simple, but keeping it close to nature, and yeah, I think nature here, it's just, it's different in that, I mean, there's nature all over, the mm-hmm. world beautiful, but it's just very accessible, mm-hmm. and the cities didn't cut down swaths of trees to put up the city, they left all the trees and mm-hmm. uh, kept them, so it's it's beautiful green, and, and it's close, the variety is close, you've got the mountains, and you've got the water, and so you have all that variety, and the, here, a temperate rainforest, so It's quite a lot to pull from.
0: Yeah, I've always heard the West Coast is particularly beautiful. And I've been there, but I was very young in age, so I don't really remember that time. So this is your debut poetry collection, but you've been working Mm -hmm. on it, as you said, for a number of years. When did you start writing poetry? Oh,
1: I have this recollection of of writing a poem about a shark when I was 11. Mm. So our family all write and read but they all have different forms of writing that they like, whether it's fiction or um, it's plays or poetry or, or whatever it might be. My parents both loved poetry. And so it just seemed natural to And I, anyone with a love of language.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's got its appeal you know it draws you i guess uh, so i i just always had that love of language and and poetry and so yeah i guess it was at least 11 if not earlier yeah wow, wow. and i've been writing since i i just i just really enjoy it
0: yeah so how do you write like what do you have a writing style what does your writing routine look like in other words does inspiration kind of just fall into your lap out of nowhere or do you sit down and and like (laughs) consciously create
1: (laughs) well it is a little of both it it depends usually um i am mulling something over for a while and and uh some sort of experience or or emotion uh that's been happening Mm. and usually i'm out at a cafe or, or um and looking around me at uh, whatever might be and so i wrote a, a couple of poems at a cafe i frequented one's about uh the, the tree uh, i wrote snowfall there and the one i did about the japanese maple I, that was on the patio and and i'm just looking out and seeing these things uh, over time and so um so it comes to me there i once i was just standing at a an outdoor plaza and and the cold breeze uh just caught me off guard and, and i started to i sat down on the bench and started to write so it's a bit of a process it's helpful for me to be at the computer and and write there but i also write just in a, a little book and yeah. uh, that i might keep with me and and uh so that i when those moments happen i can capture them and start writing but uh, yeah so it's 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 a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you can't dictate inspiration, right?
1: <laughs> no, unfortunately you can't. And, and there were times when I was just too overloaded with other things to be able to write properly. You, you do need some time to focus and the proper frame of mind. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, and I think that's true for any kind of writing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree, I agree.
0: So what are some of the different poetic forms used in Reduction Fired? And do you have a favorite?
1: Uh, Well, there's quite a variety. So I know that some poetry books will just have one very specific form and very specific theme, but uh, this one has a bit more diversity than that. So some of the more recent uh, are really condensed. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the ones in winter, so they're a little thick, and dense, like sort of wading through something thick to get through. And then others in summer, a little less, a little looser. And I do experiment, whether it's from something short uh, with a short line and still conversational like enough to something like sighting, where I I just wanted to experiment with something uh, slightly different, a little more rhythmic and uh, lyrical and i even write sonnets <laughs> in in uh spring i have a couple of sonnets there and then i, I experimented also in, in the early years uh, you'll see in in spring and i still carry that with me that uh just that idea of, of Hebrew poetry and the the way they structure parallels, mm-hmm. it, it's quite interesting poetically. So anything like that that interests me and that challenges me, I, I'd like to try to work with it and, and challenge myself to grow. And uh, and the only way I can do that is, is by attempting to work th- work through it. So there's quite a few different forms. I even do haiku. I have some books of haiku that I really enjoyed. And so I experiment with that as well some are more loose. So I I describe them as thoughts after reading haiku. Mm. They don't adhere to all the strict guidelines of a haiku, not all of them, Mm -hmm. but they are this, you know, one thought in one image, but layered as much as I can in that particular poem.
0: Yeah, yeah. So has your idea of what poetry is changed since you began writing? It certainly seems to have changed over time. Like when you read
1: poetry now what's happening right now is uh, it seems very um, very much a thought uh, amusing a musing um, uh, a just a conversational component to it and even though the poets themselves are really working hard to take out um, you know words and to pare it down and to it does seem quite loose now and and uh quite free it it depends on the person writing obviously mm-hmm. but so it it has changed a lot my idea of poetry i still draw influence from a lot of the classical writers and so i don't know sometimes if if my style fits in to be honest with the the current more loose and just uh, uh mm-hmm. expressions of thought that that are out there now i I guess because I really love the language component mm-hmm. of poetry, the the working with language as a material and using it in so many different ways and reading it, but having it there um, written out, being able to do different things with it in writing than you could necessarily spoken. And I, I just, yeah, I, I just love it. So I do think poetry has changed. I mean, I keep changing myself, but I don't know that I... Fit necessarily with what is out there right now. Sometimes, right, right. Um, but I I don't mind that. I, I I think it's great for people to have that variety and and to to choose the aspects of different poets that appeal to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to write what you love and what you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, that's going to come across to your readers. I feel yes. like, yeah, yeah, yes. Absolutely, it will. Yeah, I agree with that. Are all of your poems based on personal experiences? And and what stages of your life or what stage has most influenced your writing?
1: Yeah, um, different stages have influenced it. They are written from personal experience. At least my perception at the time. So mm-hmm. whether that was really the case, or I just, for example, some of uh, where I just felt I was being so harassed and felt so bullied, and and uh, whether that whether I was really being harassed and bullied by everybody at the time, mm-hmm. or just felt that way. But yeah, different stages, different things. So for example, in spring, the two themes I touch on. Are this connection I had with this person, this man, um, and we just both realized it wasn't going to work. So I just was left with uh, feelings for him. Mm. And uh, I, I just experiment with the forms that I, I had then. And then a friend of mine who passed away, depression just finally uh, took her. She took herself. And so that those stages affect me. It's summer. I was married. It was a very... Um, intense time and a lot of things going on, it tends to be more passionate and more um, sultry. Uh, mm. And then where autumn, again, it, I'm experimenting with different things and I'm going through a lot of where I'm feeling this harassment and, or, or other things, just different feelings. So, yes, they all sort of come from personal experience, for sure. For me, I know some people write just based on themes. Some people write activism, uh, and they write based on, on things that are important politically. And, mm. and I just haven't gone there myself yet. They're more, more about things that are just very personal. Yeah. Um, but uh, what influenced me the most, it's really hard to say, I guess I would probably say the struggle with my own imperfections. I would say that kind of comes up as a recurrent theme probably and um, that one and just dealing processing my emotions for other people and and with other people uh, uh, relationships of different kinds but definitely and um, especially in the in the earlier years just struggling with imperfection probably mm. um you know
0: yeah many people are discouraged from enjoying poetry claiming it's too difficult mm-hmm. or intimidating. And I am mm-hmm. one of those people. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so I want to ask you what kind of suggestions or encouragement you can give to people in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then I also wanted to say that I found that even though I might not understand or I might not think I understand it, that mm-hmm. several of your poems did touch me. You mentioned one of them earlier, Enough, uh, I think that right. one was my favorite, mm-hmm. and then the one about your friend. So right. you know, I I guess maybe I know more than I I claim to know. Or
1: <laughs> well, and, and that's just it. It's I really feel that there have been accessible options over the years. Metaphysical poetry was always really tough for people, and and uh, in seventeenth um, century English poetry and uh, in English and literature and. And some of the students, you could just see them just, really, it means this and that and the editor doesn't really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just wanted something straightforward, you know, they they wanted clarity. And and uh, and yet, uh, there were also in the 17th century the uh, the cavalier poets who were very, very clear, very straightforward, wrote on things like uh, like John Snuckling's uh, poem about um, faithfulness or constancy about, oh, I've I've been in love three whole days. I might even love three more. You never know. It, <laughs> it, things, things like that, um, I think there are accessible options. I don't think the more accessible options are necessarily always the lighter. Mm. You can be clear and still be deep and still talk about really important things. Rupi Kaur is a popular poet uh, these days, extremely popular. She just writes in that style of, of a thought, expressing a thought and a feeling. And those feelings resonate with people. Mm-hmm. And if that's accessible to people, that's wonderful. And uh, I think she's got four books. I think they've sold millions. And mm-hmm. that just tells me there are a lot of people who appreciate someone speaking their feelings. Right, right. And there's always uh, those who like the stories, uh, whether it's Robert service or any of those kinds of narrative kind of poems that just tell a story and the rhythm and the rhyme just really take people. And um, they say, uh, and I remember reading somewhere, and I can't, I can't remember where it was. There was a, a cowboy poetry festival, hmm. and they said that cowboy poetry was one of the most popular forms of poetry in English.
0: Really?
1: Um, hmm. Yeah. So that surprised me. I didn't realize there was such a following. Uh, writers and readers of, of that style. But so I, I really believe that um, there are accessible options out there. And it, I don't think they're talking down to people by being simple and clear. Mm. It's just a different way of expressing the same meaningful feelings and the same intensity, just in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would just love for people to be able to look around and see styles that really connect with them, and whatever it might be, and and not to give up, and not to think it's all metaphysical and it's all mm-hmm. it's all Shakespeare. It can be very accessible and and uh, very clear, and they don't have to think about what does it mean, this, that, and the other thing, and and all of it. The, they can just experience it. I would just love for people to just experience it and enjoy it. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Yeah, I get that, because I feel like uh, that's what I try to do. Okay, what does this mean? Right, <laughs> and so, right, right. And so, you know, that's okay, but then I go back and I read it again, and sometimes it takes me a couple times to read through it, but right. I guess that could be with anything, but people like to be able to relate to what they're reading. And so yeah, that's why I love the idea of cowboy poetry. Because I mean, that just truth that says Mm -hmm. there's something for everyone.
1: There really is. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And, you know, like with a song, you might enjoy a song and then look up the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So you know, I would encourage people to just let yourself enjoy it and speak to you and your experience first. And then you can go and look it up and, and look up okay and then read it as you say a few times and try to understand what they were trying to say and you can get more out of it but don't forget to enjoy it as well
0: Mm-hmm. and maybe it means something totally different to you than what the author you know, has intended
1: that's very true and we don't own it once it's out there it's out there and I would love for people to find things in it that mean something to them and that's a wonderful thing and and it becomes so much more than what I was trying to get across. Maybe I was trying to get across something very straightforward, but someone else takes it and, and sees something completely different in it. And that's not a bad thing. I remember in high school, I used to think that was a bad thing. I used mm-hmm. to think it just means the one what it means, and that's it. And, and But it's okay for people to see in it I think that's quite a compliment, actually, to have someone see something in it that relates to them and their experience and mm-hmm. and helps them identify with their feelings. Yeah. So, no, that's encouraging, you know, when people do that.
0: Yeah. What kind of feedback have you received from readers about Reduction Fired?
1: Well, it's been so overwhelmingly good. I, I was really pleasantly <laughs> surprised. I, a lot of people writing these days have the degrees, you know. They Mm-hmm. They have the Bachelor of Arts, and they've got the creative writing, and they've got the poetry, and they, they've got all these things from all the great institutions, mm-hmm. and that's lovely, and I, I think they must have learned so much. I haven't had that opportunity in my life to have that. I was always supporting somebody else and mm-hmm. having to support myself, and, uh, you know, we just we don't all have the same circumstances. I would certainly love that opportunity to go to school. I, I just haven't had that so I was just quite pleased that the response has been as good as it has people have have been very good the the only things they seem to trip over seems to be structural so uh, whether it's the fact that I didn't say in the poetry book what the seasons represented Mm. to me so I I they just saw them broken up into seasons and thought Well, should Scarecrow then be under fall for autumn or, you know,
0: (laughs) why is it here? That kind of
1: thing, which I totally understand. So I love that kind of feedback, too, because that helps me. Then I can address it. I can go to my website or whatever and I can address it, um, explain what I didn't explain in the book for those who need it. And uh, that's helpful feedback for me. It's like editorial feedback. It's great. But Overwhelmingly, people have been really. Um, <laughs> one reviewer commented that because of the line breaks that I tend to to use, um, some people, you know, aren't sure what to make of them. And, and this one reviewer said, I, "I was like the Jackson Pollock of poetry." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite a compliment. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yes, it it has been overwhelmingly positive. I've been really pleased with that. I can only be pleased, since it's just coming from someone who's generally otherwise unknown, otherwise without connections in the writing world, and uh, Mm -hmm. to put something out there and get good feedback. uh, It's overwhelming. So I'm very pleased with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's great. I imagine it was quite scary to put yourself out there like that. It would have been for me. (laughs) How did you feel putting your book out into the world?
1: It's a risk for sure, but I just felt like I had to do it. I needed to put it out there, and I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't really expecting anything, Mm. Um, but I just felt like I needed to do it. I needed to finish something that I had thought of doing some years ago. I was sick for a while, and then I recovered, so it just seemed the right time, and I wanted to finish it, and so I was thinking of it last year, and and then I just started the process. Mm. I mean... There is a risk, but I guess there's also a risk to not doing something. And I was always told that there are consequences to acting, and we often get afraid of those consequences, and so we don't act.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: that's also a consequence. There's also a consequence to that, is, of not acting, of not doing something. And can you live with those consequences of not making a decision? Right. So
0: I just did it. Hooray for you. I'm, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs>
1: you I would encourage you to do though, if if you are thinking anyone who's who's thinking of it I do think every person has that unique voice and it's important to get their voice out there because you, you never know who it will connect with and mm-hmm. and I wouldn't want someone to hold back because they think well I I mean looking out there I, I can't say I looked out there and I saw people and said oh they're like me I didn't see anyone who who was like me but I right, right, I wanted to do it anyway, and i I think it it's important to do that,
0: yeah, that actually reminds me of your poem, leaving, which I hope you'll read for us to me it was about stepping out of your comfort zone and and that's what you just mm-hmm. talked about, so I wonder if you would read a couple of your poems for us,
1: sure, that would be lovely i I appreciate the opportunity. it's very nice, I love reading aloud i I always joke that um, in school, I was never chosen to act in school plays. I was always chosen to be narrator. (laughs) 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 No matter what, I couldn't get away from it. So I I do love to read. I can start with leaving. Leaving is a little more, it's one of those condensed ones. It's a little more thicker to go through. But yeah, hopefully uh, the meaning comes through to to people and I think seems to have for you. So that's good. So I, I will go ahead if you like. Yes, please do. Thank you leaving. It became comfortable, the imprints of the many. Uneven stones, gnarled roots, and matted leaves etched the length of me through my own weight, all released, until it became uncomfortable without their rough engraving and pressure, too familiar and too old to trace the memory. So I now find this stance on my own weight, held up through the soles of me and this skin smoothed like petals basking, though unmapped and untouched, but by the bees and hummingbirds buzzing and hovering respectfully or fingertips caressing gently, all so unexpectedly intriguing that unnerved with anticipation, and yet startled by how much it feels even innate deep-rooted, through and through me, being me, unbranded, it's become glorious. Mm.
0: That's lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I am I am so glad that you read it out loud because, first of all, I think you're fantastic at reciting and I can see why you were the narrator. So, <laughs> <laughs> And then second of all, it helps me to say, I don't have to read it, just like, it became comfortable, the imprints of the many. You know, I don't have to stop no, no. at the no. end of each line. So I'm getting a poetry no. lesson today. I I love <laughs> this.
1: <laughs> well, and that's just it. Some of them, um, you know, you will roll. Some of the lines and words will roll into each other. But you can go back and see... If you, if you choose to go back, you can just read it as you want to read it. And then if you choose to go back and say, oh, why would she have broken uncomfortable there? Or why? And then think about if that's what you want to do. But, but you don't have mm, to. You mm-hmm. know, with poetry, you can just enjoy it.
0: Right, right.
1: Well, thank you. Do you have any more you'd like to read to us? Well, I'll read warmth. So I talk a little bit in my bio about growing up and the way we grew up. So mm-hmm. we had a wood stove and we had no running water and uh, even though we're we're in Canada you think mm. <laughs> you think how is this possible and and our neighbors we had a neighbor two doors down who had a live in nanny every year they had a different nanny from Europe and, and oh my <laughs> and gosh they, they had a car for the nanny like it was just a the disparity was incredible and and i it was just for my little brain, I was so young at the time, I was, it was just hard for me to understand. Right. Um, but the winters were always really hard because it was just so cold. And I it was just always so cold. And we had single pane windows, so you get frost on the inside. <laughs> oh and sometimes goodness. it was so cold, my mother would just take off like, Every coat that she could find, she would just try to bury all the kids in the coats to make sure they (laughs) wouldn't, She was actually afraid they were going to die of exposure. Like Mm. it was, it was bad. So for me, for this poem, I, I just was relating that it was one of those things that came back to me when I, I was in this relationship and I realized, why do I always need you for warmth? Like for emotional warmth? Why do I Mm. do that? And so I was kind of exploring that idea with being cold when I was younger. So that's where that came from. So I will I will go ahead and read that. Okay. Warmth. I only realize today what it was and how it started, this always wanting more. This standing, shivering and vulnerable, palms outstretched to the crackling logs of your days, glad at each spark of time, knowing only the need to get warm. Recalled being buried so deep in blankets and all the coats Mom could find that come morning I would dress under covers and hurry down to sit inside the window box of sun-warmed carpet with both hands holding my cup. I'm still rummaging for comforters, for smiles and approving looks and time with you to lie beneath, to place between me and the cold. So even now, there are times flakes blow through the cracks and frost maps out my windowpane, and all the flames and coats and sun are not enough. And I just wanted you to know I realized today it wasn't you, but I'll always be wanting more warmth. Mm.
0: That's beautiful. Well, it's
1: just, I guess, my, you know, a, a lot of poetry is sort of self-exploration. And so you mm-hmm. you kind of go, why am I putting so much importance on you um, to make me feel warm as a person? And why can't I generate my own warmth? And, and oh, so you wow. kind
0: of explore that. Yeah, know? yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for that. That's beautiful. Thank you. You mentioned in the beginning that this collection has kind of been a work in progress for many many years and yeah, that you yeah. wanted to get it out so you can move on. So what is next for you? What do you want to explore going forward?
1: Well, I would like to focus on the quality. I would like to I just want to improve and and learn and develop so I however I can do that. It's hard finding the right course, but if I can find a course that might help, or or um, find uh, some other poets that I can mm-hmm. connect with, and um, w- whatever way I can do it, I just need at this point to develop further. I'm looking ahead. I'm healthier and uh, happier than I have been in years, and and so I, I'm really looking forward to whatever the next chapter will bring and what I can write about in future and. I, yeah, I, I, what will the title of the next one be? Who knows? <laughs> so, um, but I, I'm looking forward to writing more, and I've already started that, to write, um, just knocking some things around in my head, and personal development is what's next for me. I just, as a writer, uh, my sister uh, Regan is um uh, Learning. She's taken several courses. She she writes fiction, youth fiction, mm. and she just gets so much out of that. She's now uh, attending the Golden Egg Academy in the UK, which is geared for youth fiction, and uh, she's learning so much. She's just thrilled, and so she just as a as a big sister, she just wants the same thing for me, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. She wants me to have that same opportunity to develop and other people to ask the right questions, and so I can move forward.
0: Yeah, wonderful. How fun, too. (laughs) Yes, I think I will. I think I will. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing a little bit about yourself and your work. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. It's just been a a joy. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Jennifer Yates Camera, author of Reduction Fire. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit her website at yatescamera.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScootLive.com.